0: I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News. Now, the Jack Riccardi Show. Thank you, Tom. Good afternoon and welcome to our dreadful little show. And join the show at 210-599-5555. Live right now on 550 and 1071 KTSA. The Cocaine Gate story has changed. The uh, reporting on it now, I'm looking at an NBCNews.com story. Uh, multiple officials involved in the White House cocaine inquiry. Now, just, that's, that's a sentence, right? Now say the bag of powder was found in a cubby near the White House's west executive entrance, not in the formal west wing lobby, as, as was previously reported. The location officials described most recently is an entrance area between a foyer and a lower level lobby, somewhere near where vehicles like the vice president's limo would be parked. I always figured that Kamala's limo was parked like on a, you know, like on a parking meter out in the street. I don't know. Uh, that entrance is one floor below the main West Wing offices and on the same floor as the uh, Situation Room. No big deal, just the Situation Room. So they're changing their story on where it was found, and they're reiterating that these are areas that are heavily trafficked. It's Just an interesting choice of a word. So we were talking about this yesterday, and we we were kind of kidding about Hunter, because that joke just suggests itself. Um, My favorite email from last night was the guy that took me to task, because didn't I know that Hunter used crack, not powdered cocaine? And I have to plead ignorance on this. I am not savvy enough about cocaine. I'm sorry I, I apologize to everyone listening. How dare I host this show when I don't know my—I don't know my drugs. So you got me there. Anyway, um, it, look—it's it, it, probably not. We, we've had our fun with Hunter, but here, here's, the, here's what I think is the correct way to look at this story, because Hunter Biden doesn't leave cocaine around. He leaves laptops, but he doesn't leave cocaine. And whether or not this was his or not, I I seriously doubt that it like fell out of his pocket or something. So here's the way I'm looking at this story now. And and by the way, phone line's open, 210-599-5555. Substitute the word cocaine out of the story and imagine that instead someone has dropped, hidden, um, stashed, a small uh quantity of a bio or chemical weapon in the White House. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. That's a national security, threat to the country, big deal. This is the White House. I, I mean, it is it, it it is beyond belief that stuff just sort of turns up, and no one knows how it got there. We're investigating how it got there. There is no chance that anyone going through a security checkpoint, going through the empty your pockets, go through the scanners, security brings cocaine into the White House. That can't happen, or else the terrorists would already have gotten far worse things into the White House. So that leaves two possibilities. One possibility is that whoever brought it didn't have to go through that security, and that narrows down, obviously, who it could be, like family members of the Bidens. Or they've had a security lapse. They're not getting it done. They're not, they're not protecting that facility uh, the way it should be. So it's not the cocaine it's the fact that the White House is saying, yes, yeah, something's here that isn't supposed to be here, and we don't know how it got here, and we're investigating how it got here. Like it it like this is a public place, like this is a bus station or an airport. It's not. It doesn't work that way. You go through a security checkpoint. You empty your pockets. Everything you're carrying is checked. I was talking to a friend of mine Uh, this morning who said she took her family to the White House for a tour and she had an EpiPen for one of her kids. And you wouldn't believe what she had to go through to to have a doctor's note and a special container, and they had to check to see that it was an EpiPen. So the idea that somebody's just traipsing around in there with a baggie of cocaine is is absurd. Our, Our intelligence is being insulted by that story. The real story here is that for years the White House and the visitor logs and the entrances to it have been treated like a playground. Not just this administration, but over several years, administrations have lied about who got in, lied about who met with the president, lied about how many times they were there. And so we don't have any kind of transparency and we're not gonna get it from this administration. That's why this is important. So they can tell you they're investigating it, but I'm gonna tell you, I think they already know I think they already know. I think they've known for a couple of days what and how and who and under what circumstances. You can't tell me there aren't cameras all over the place. The real story here is probably A, somebody had a lapse, and B, are they going to ever tell us the truth? Because they're already, you know, Biden friendly media like Politico.com are already saying, well, this, this mystery may never be solved. That's baloney. There's no way that is true. This mystery may never be revealed as true. This mystery may never be solved. They've already solved it. So we were talking a little bit yesterday, in case you weren't with us, about uh, some of the more outrageous things that were said and done around the 4th of July, like the uh, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream Company uh, tweeted out that America should return stolen indigenous land. Uh, to the Native Americans, we should acknowledge on the Fourth of July that we're standing on stolen land, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I, 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 I was reading about this last night, and I had forgotten that about forty or fifty years ago, the, um, I believe, Supreme Court or a federal court decided that the land Mount Rushmore is standing on. Um, was, in fact, stolen from the Sioux Indian tribe, and uh, they awarded the Sioux a fairly substantial cash award, but the tribe has never claimed it because they are saying they want the land, not the money. So there's there's actually money sitting somewhere that they could have, but they're saying, no, we we, we want the land. And and I guess to me this is sort of like the reparations debate. Uh, I, if you if you believe in slavery reparations, if you believe that we should start returning land to Native American tribes, then you go first. Who who, who what tribe was on the land that Ben and Jerry's is sitting their fat Vermont asses on? Who had that land? Give it back with the business on it, by the way. I think they should, you, you've, you've derived a lot of income from that land. You ought to give them the, the, the business that you've built on that land. That's part of how you stole it. There's nothing to stop liberals from going first with all the things they think we should do. Reparations, returning the land, you go first. Shame us into doing it. Set an example we can't ignore but they never do, right? They never do. Other people should eat bugs, but not them. Other people should drive electric, but not them. Other people should not fly, should should reduce their carbon footprint, but not them. Never them. And of course, during the pandemic, other people needed to stay home, have no life, go nowhere, do nothing, but not them. You know, it's the same thing we were saying this years ago about libs and taxes. When they when when, when the, the old refrain comes up every election year that uh, the rich don't pay enough taxes, rich liberals can send more money in. The, the federal government will take more. You can send them more. Go ahead and do it. I'm waiting. So what is this story about Britney Spears and Wemby? She has nothing to do with Wemby. I mean, you talk about clickbait in the headlines. These news organizations are hilarious. Everybody's in on it. So apparently, uh, the, 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 the Spurs are playing in a tournament uh, in Vegas, or they were. And um, this happened, I think, last night or yesterday. And so everywhere he goes, he's got security around him. And supposedly, Britney Spears wanted a picture with him and was swatted away by a security guy. I, I'm going to just say something that may sound cruel, and I don't mean for it to, but I would keep... If I if it was up to me, I would keep Britney Spears away from Wemby, too. So I feel like that, you know, employee of the month there. I don't know what happened. It, I, Britney Spears was an enormous talent, like, 20 years ago. Now an attention hound, um, now kind of, kind of whacked out. Uh, probably, it's, it's very possible that whoever was around and recognized her, they're supposed to protect this guy. It's a crazy world. I want him protected. You want him protected. I, I, I don't think there's anything to this, but it makes for a great headline, right? What about this other story, though? This is the one I really want to sink my teeth into. So you probably have heard this on, uh, I know Tom just had it. We've had it on the news all day on KTSA. Uh, authorities believe a man who was missing for eight years in Houston, Rudy Farias, was never actually missing that he was reported missing by his mother eight years ago. He was a teenager, he was like, I think 17. And he was probably home that day or the next day. But it was investigated as, and publicity was raised, and pictures were circulated, and websites, and everything as a missing persons mystery. And the Houston police said, we worked the case for eight years. We uh, followed up on tips and leads. And in the meantime, Rudy was living right there with mom. And uh, now there may be charges. I'm going to say something that will probably be kind of unpopular, but and we don't know. We, this is, we're just at the very, very beginning of this story. But it doesn't sound like very impressive police work to me. Okay, and and again, take your best shot at me if you want. I'm not not anti-police, and I will generally almost always uh, default to their defense and giving them every benefit of the doubt. Um, But if the guy is at the house of the woman who reported the missing child, I would assume that you have contact with her, that you're interviewing her, that you're checking in with her. I just don't know how in the world... You you could miss the guy is still there, I, that that doesn't sound right. And I mean yes, she's up to something and investigate her and all that, but um, that just that's not impressive. You know, I mean this is a one off case. This should not affect, and I hopefully hope it won't affect the seriousness with which we take other missing child and missing person cases. But it's just not. It it doesn't sound like like anybody covered themselves with glory here. I mean yes, it's a hoax and so forth but it doesn't seem like one you should be able to play cocaine gate i i think they already know this whole we're investigating our inquiry continues it's not it's not a big deep deep, deep mystery this is the most secure building on earth it's cameraed it's covered it's surveilled it's, it's the the issue with the white house if there's ever a security breach at the white house it's because whoever is in charge has either looked the other way or dropped the ball I mean we know we know over the years that like Willie Nelson bragged about you know smoking pot on the on the on the roof with jimmy carter and I, there's a couple of rock bands I can't remember who they are now, but there's a couple of rock bands that have said when they went to the White House, like when Clinton was president uh you know they did drugs, and I think I'm trying to think who one of the well, oh, i can't remember <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Some rappers said that he uh, uh, smoked pot in the bathroom at the White House. There's been all kinds of shenanigans in the Lincoln bedroom and all that stuff. So, look, when stuff happens there, it happens with a wink and a nod. It doesn't happen because there's been some, you know, mystery. And to tell people, look, there's a bag of a substance and we don't know how it got there. We had to evacuate the White House. It's just, I'm not buying that because if that was easy to do, if that was possible to do, the terrorists would be doing it. And we don't want that, right? I mean, we're all in, we're all on board with that, right? That can't happen. In like fact, we've just come through a, a two-year period of hand wringing about security at the Capitol and how that has to be a sacred site of democracy and so forth and so so. It just no. This is a nonsense news story. They know what happened. And um, it's been a problem for years that the White House logs have been fudged and uh, tampered with and that access isn't logged in and people, visitors aren't always logged and we don't know how many times Hunter's been there and all that stuff. So, I mean, the, the, the best explanation would be that that, Loser of a son just dropped it out of his pocket. But that's probably not what happened. That's, that's almost certainly not what happened. 210 599 We're talking about uh, the Mount Rushmore thing with Ben and Jerry's. Just be nice to see people who think reparations should be paid, land should be returned. Just be great to see them go first. Got um, kind of a great... Uh, piece here, this was uh, a discussion they were having about it uh, on uh, Piers Morgan's show, and Douglas Murray, who just is so incredibly smart and insightful, they were talking about where would you, where would reparations ever end once you started with them? And I want you to hear what what Douglas Murray says, because it applies not only to reparations, but to things like stolen land, quote-unquote. Listen to this uh, from the Piers Morgan show on Fox Nation, cut number five.
1: Well, it's it's a kind of grievance competition. Your guest earlier just tried to engage in it. I don't know what hurt she believes she's had from slavery. Uh, all of this was addressed two centuries ago. Everything has consequences. All history has consequences and ramifications. But you know, if we were to play this fairly, we would at least look at all of the countries around the world that engaged in the slave trade, who are simply not interested in any form of reparations, the, the, the Ottoman Empire, all the Arab countries who not just traded far more slaves than across the Atlantic, but castrated all the men so that there wouldn't be any more African slaves in, uh, after them, they worked them to the bone. I see no interest across Africa in paying reparations for selling their brother and sister Africans into slavery or for working them to the bone to the present day. There is slavery across Africa today, in fact, there are more slaves in the world today than there were at the height of the transatlantic slave trade. So some of us are simply a bit bored of hearing people ripping at closed wounds and then crying about their hurt or their presumed hurt. Because everybody could do this. A million Europeans were stolen by North Africans over the course of decades of the North African Barbary pirate slave trade. Where would you end if you did that? The answer is you couldn't end because nobody is alive who has actually suffered the hurt and nobody is alive who did the wrong. And I'd make one other point if I may. It's always the countries that people want to come to who are put through this struggle session. Britain, like America and France, are, among the, are the most desired destinations for migrants worldwide and have been for centuries. Why is that? It's not because we're racist, it's because we're better. It's because we're good. It's because when we see racism, we actually call it out and recognise it as a sin. Try finding that across Africa. Try finding that across the Middle East or in China. Nobody would hear. So what we have is a situation where the more virtuous countries are presented as the worst countries. It's sick, and most of us are tired of it.
0: Mm. I've heard that term struggle session before, and I like it. You know, I, I, my, my interpretation of what that means is that we have these sort of verbal exercises that we go through, should we have reparations? Should we return all the land? Should we give back the southwestern states to Mexico? Should we, and and his point is, we're the only country, we're the only society that would even struggle with that. And the reason we do, and the reason we are asked to, or it is demanded of us, is not because we're slave lovers and racists, but precisely because we are virtuous, and we do wrestle with our demons. We 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 do recognize the warts in our history. You know, we don't we don't teach our history bereft of our mistakes, like most countries do. I would point out, and it's, it's a great point. It's a great observation. Um, what do you think? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. That was Douglas Murray. There's something called the Essence Festival, presented by Essence Magazine, uh, that is annually held, and it was just uh, just wrapped up a couple of days ago. Um, and, um, at the Essence Festival, uh, jazz and R&B singer Jill Scott, uh, came up to the microphone to perform the national anthem, but she had remade the national anthem. And so this was how the Essence Festival, um, opened up. I think this was actually part of their opening, um, ceremony. I'm going to warn you in advance. Uh, this is going to be hard to listen to. But I don't know how I can talk about it without you hearing it. So it's not, I'm not playing this because I think it's going to make your day or be enjoyable. In fact, I I have the feeling it's going to ruin some days. But this is Jill Scott's version of the National Anthem at the Essence Festival.
2: Who say, can you see? mm yeah. the lady
0: Uh, They tweeted out, uh, everyone, please rise. For the only national anthem we will be recognizing from this day forward, Jill Scott, we thank you. Hashtag Essence Fest. Um, Jill Scott is a very successful performer. She's probably a millionaire. She's got platinum records. She's won awards. Um, So this is quite a take for Jill Scott. It certainly has her trending, and it has brought her a lot of attention. Um, but I would, I would say probably Jill Scott's around my age, I would guess. So I, I would just challenge her in this way, okay? Y- you've seen some things of life. You've worked in the system that we have, and you've done very well. And I'm not saying it wasn't deserved. You have a voice, you have talent, and you've, you've made a lot of money with it um you've seen a lot of change in this country and i i defy you to tell me that that hasn't been progress you've seen the election of a black president and the re-election you've seen our society change you've seen people's opinions about things like interracial marriage change you've you've seen in your own life the fruits of success. You've worked hard, you have talent, and America has rewarded you. You've pursued the career you wanted, and your audiences are full of people of all colors and races who've paid to see you and applaud you joyfully. So why are you putting out this bullshit about the land of the slave? Pardon my language. I mean... Maybe there's somebody out there who could say this country hasn't done right by me or I don't think it's as great as you all, but but Jill Scott's not that person. And this is the kind of thing that if you're over a certain age, you can hear and immediately reject, and maybe you already have. Probably some people have already turned the dial. I know I took that risk. But when young people hear this, especially young black people, what do they hear? They hear a woman that's climbed the ladder and made it tell them, don't bother. This is the kind of garbage that holds people down. This is the kind of garbage that defines people down. So. You know, if you don't feel like singing the national anthem or you can't put your heart into it, that's fine. One of the great things about America is we don't make anybody sing it. But this is a false narrative. This is a false take. This is why a lot of people don't trust the way history is taught in schools anymore because they suspect, and I think rightly, that there are people with agendas like this spreading messages like this. When you're young, you don't know the difference. Whatever you hear is all you know. You haven't learned American history, you may not ever learn it, but you don't know it yet. And you haven't had enough time, I mean like personal life experience, like people our age have had, to say, well, I can see where the needle has moved, I can see where things have gotten better, or things have changed. But it's even crazier, because when I was reading about this thing, I found out that this woman in her mid-50s didn't just write these lyrics. She just performed them, but she wrote them when she was a teenager. She says that she wrote it when she was young as a critique of racial inequality in America, and she has now started performing it in public. So again, my challenge to her, if I ever had the chance to speak to her, and by the way, I've I've enjoyed her music over the years. I have one of her CDs. But my challenge would be, you really don't see progress? You have not seen change in America? You you really think, this is what you really think of the country in which you have thrived? This is the problem with the left's vision of, of this country they have to recreate an alternate reality in which we are in the old days of slavery, of segregation, of Jim Crow, of course omitting the fact that they were, the the, the Democrats were the political party advocating for and defending those things, but we don't have to mention that. But they need an alternative reality. They can't handle progress, which is odd because they call themselves progressives. So they have to reimagine not only the national anthem, but everything, as if no good has happened, people's hearts have not changed, people's attitudes have not changed, people aren't trying, people aren't thriving. We had BLM in the streets of our major cities a few years ago, but it didn't look like Selma or Birmingham. You know it, I know it, we all know it. it in fact, it was, the, it was literally the opposite. And so I guess you have to pretend it's the 1950s or 60s so that you can justify the revolution that you want to launch. And it's very powerful to change the words of a country's national anthem. I mean, forget about Ben and Jerry for, for crying out loud in their Fakakta tweet, tweet. I mean, th- this, is, this is about as serious as it gets. This is looking you in the eye and then spitting in your eye. Now, it's her choice, and again, it's a free country to say, what you want to say and sing what you want to sing. It may further her career. But if it does, it will not help anyone else. In fact, in furthering her career or getting herself more tweets or clicks or what have you, again, she is sending a defeatist, don't bother, you can't do what I did, you can't make it message to young people. And to me, that's, the worst part of this of all. I, I think I think to discourage young people, whatever color they are, is is literally unforgivable. And the left does it all the time. The whole the whole body of ideas is it's a rigged country, it's a rigged society, you are hated. Your, your hard work will go unrecognized, so don't do it. In fact, if you work hard, that's a white personality trait. Remember that discussion a few years ago? These are very, um, poisonous and, and obviously misleading, uh, messages. And, um, I'm just curious to know what you think or how it struck you, if you were able to get through it. And I realize it was hard to listen to. And I, but I, I don't know how to talk about it without you hearing it. And I wasn't sure how many people had come across it in their, in their feeds. Uh, the uh, Essence Festival, uh, was in New Orleans. It's where, uh, that rendition of the national anthem, uh, happened and it also, uh, hosted a, uh, uh a speech and a panel with Vice President kamala Harris here's Kamala Harris uh, answering a question about what is culture
2: Well, I think culture is it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time right and 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 present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment and and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment that is a reflection of joy because Every, it you know it comes in the morning <laughs> we have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in All terms right. of i
0: can't take any more i can't take any more. Just see that right there is why um this is why people are talking about or speculating about the Democrats running somebody else in in twenty twenty four if 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 joe biden's vice president was a uh, a person you could conceive of as president, conceive of as stepping up. You know, God forbid, some night the call goes out, the president passed away in his sleep, or he fell, or whatever. If the vice president was somebody that, again, politics aside, disagreement aside, just somebody you could you could say, well, I, I can see this person assuming the presidency and, and reassuring the country and reassuring the world. She is not that person. I mean, it's just not that the, the all the, the the stuff we were talking about yesterday all the speculation about gavin newsom and this one that one that's a way of saying oh no way are we letting her be president 210 599 5555 the um this has been kind of an interesting story that's been percolating so there was a a mass shooting in philadelphia on monday night the eve of independence day uh five people were killed children were hurt and um, you may remember the, the shooter had a, a vest on, and it was a very bizarre attack. And the uh, person they uh, picked up and have now charged is 40-year-old Kim Brady Carricker. I think I'm saying that right. Kim Brady or Kim Brady, K-I-M-B-R-A-D-Y. And the New York Post and other news organizations unearthed photos of Carricker from his Facebook page where he's dressed up as a woman. He's wearing women's clothes. He's wearing earrings and necklaces and a bra in one picture. And um, they found other stuff about him. He's a big fan of the Matrix movies. And the guys that made the Matrix uh, movie uh, who were brothers uh, both came out as transgender and so people started thinking, well, if character is transgender, this would be the third, uh, the third trans mass shooter recently, along with uh, Audrey Hale in Nashville and the guy in Colorado Springs. So they talked to neighbors, and the neighbors said, yeah, they said the usual stuff, quiet, kept to himself, can't believe he would do this. But the neighbors said, yeah, we would see him sometimes uh, dressed as a woman. So that's been what has been reported, and it seems that it's been supported by facts. Uh, Now the uh, DA's office in Philadelphia has gone to great lengths to say, no, 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 this suspect is not transgender. And the LGBTQ uh, community in Philadelphia, teaming up with the DA, Larry Krasner, is blaming the conservative media for, quote, nasty, violent speculation, unquote, surrounding Kim brady character's gender identity, which, by the way, they are referring to Kim brady character with they, them. But at the same time saying, how dare you call Kim brady character trans? I'm confused, but okay. Bottom line, You've got a mass shooting, you've got five dead people, you've got people in the hospital, you've got children, and the bad guy is not the shooter, the bad guy is the conservative media for sharing a picture of the shooter, the killer, in a bra. The killer is the victim. Is this becoming a pattern, is it just me? The killer is a victim. We have victimized the killer. The real crime here is the gendering. Jr. poll question coming up, powered by River City Oral Surgery, something the Republicans have come up with for their first presidential debate next month. But first, Jason is on the Jack Riccardi Show on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jason, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, sir. Um, I just wanted to talk about Kamala Harris and my opinion on the whole thing. I, so I, when it comes to Kamala, I don't think she went through the proper agenda pushing, training, democratic, far liberal school. Because she can never say anything with a straight face like a pro democrat liar could. And one could argue that. For that reason she might have a soul um but if if she looks Hmm. it's almost like like she's in on the joke
0: like she's she doesn't like she can't take seriously the things they have her saying is that what you mean
2: exactly almost like she's not not almost but she's just Hmm. not good at delivering a lie Hmm. she's just not good at it or an agenda
0: I don't know, Jason. I mean, that, that's a novel interpretation. I've never heard that before. Um, I, I would push back by saying this, and and this, this is not me fanboying over Kamala Harris, but if you go back to years ago when she was the attorney general in California, when she was a senator from California, she actually was, she sounded like a pretty smart person, Um I didn't agree with her about anything but she could she could get through a sentence a paragraph a speech without any giggles. She was actually kind of hardcore. Like that was that was the knock against her was that she wanted to throw pot users in prison and throw the key away and you know she 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 cultivated this hardline uh law and order I'm the top cop in California kind of image. It's only recently that she's become all giggly and and just weird. And so I, I think it's, I tend to think what's happening with her now is that she is not prepped. That the, There've been rumors for years that she doesn't read her prep books. She doesn't do her homework. She doesn't listen to briefings. and And I think her behavior is the behavior of somebody that's trying to cover up or get through because they're not, she's not prepared. Like she doesn't really know the material. Now you're, you're saying she knows it and she can't, present it seriously. Maybe, maybe it's some of that too, but I, I really think she used to be sharper than she is now. You know, there's, there's something, something has changed.
2: I would agree with that a hundred percent. And I think she hasn't lost that sharpness. I'm sure she could hold a decent conversation, but when she's asked the question, like, mm-hmm. what's your idea of culture? I could just imagine the transgender Everything racing through her, right. head at A million miles an hour, <laughs> and 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 she all the boxes you careful. have to check,
0: all the things you have to check down when you exactly. say it. Yeah.
2: and that's yeah. why she said it's minute by minute. The morning comes because the what what they're pushing now is that people can change their gender. They can so when and they're against culture to a lot of the liberal and, and the LGBTQ community and i even hate saying that because it's more so the trans side it's the radicals who are pushing
3: mm-hmm. and a
2: lot of gay and lesbian people don't want anything to no, have to they do don't. With that. no they
0: it's don't no they
2: don't it's so crazy so when you see kamala talk she comes across as an idiot but like you said really what she's doing she's checking all the boxes yeah and she's
0: yeah. that's an interesting take her. jason i i will say i I'm 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 I've actually thought this about a number of Democrats. I I, I really don't think they all believe the stuff they think they have to say. Um, They weren't always like this. They didn't always believe this stuff. I mean, Biden himself, I mean, you know, at one time had a very different take on all of this. And they do, when you hear them now, they do sound like they are hostage to their own crazy talking points. Jason, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Um. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Yeah, I don't. This is not to say that you should not take it seriously. This is not to say that Kamala Harris wouldn't do some crazy stuff if she became president. I'm not. I'm not suggesting she would suddenly be, you know, JFK if she became president. I'm just saying, as Jason is, that th- these these people are incredibly inauthentic in what they are talking about. And if they do the things they say they're going to do, they're very dangerous, and they probably will do them, but they're very inauthentic about it, and they are late to the game, and the Democratic Party at the moment is trying to learn the lines of a script that was written by some crazy extremists. Some people are better at putting it over than others, but um, it's... This is not the the party of of Bill Clinton. This is not the party of Jimmy Carter, uh, John F. Kennedy. This is not and 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 so people that come from that tradition, yeah, this is not where they're at. Um, but I also think that with Kamala Harris specifically, there's too many stories out there about her just not doing her homework. Not reading the briefing book, not getting the briefings there's there's bitching and moaning in the in the Biden administration that she doesn't you know they try to give her material and she doesn't bother with it. She thinks she can wing it, she thinks she's smart enough, and that probably works in the Senate, you know probably in the Senate, you can make little impressions and have little c span sound bites and it's all good and you do a quick hit once in a while on one of the Sunday morning shows, but she's in too many situations now where she, the room is too big for her, and she's not prepped. She's meeting with foreign leaders. She's meeting with people in disaster-stricken stricken areas, and clearly not versed in any of the policy stuff. You know, this. St- Whereas probably a guy like I, I can imagine a guy like Buttigieg probably like pores over it. You know, and yeah, he he he, he has his problems, but you're not going to catch him without a ream of statistics and factoids and he's going to have it all in order she really just doesn't have that and the, i mean it it's easy to to laugh about it until you remember that her boss is tripping over sandbags and um having some very very bizarre moments on a daily basis um his July 4 we're going to play some of the stuff from July 4th we haven't even had a chance to get to it yet Right, it's one of the best selling books in the country right now. It would be absolutely perfect for a plane ride, uh, beach reading, poolside, all of that. And we're just thrilled to have him back on the show with us, author Steve Berry. And his new bestseller is called The Ninth Man. Steve Berry, welcome back uh, and congratulations on this book.
3: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: So you've done two things I love here. Um, I mean, I've been a fan of the Cotton Malone series for years. You've you've brought back uh, his sort of protege, Luke Daniels, but you've also woven into this plot one of the most just sort of bizarre and fascinating conspiracy theories of the JFK assassination. Um, And so when you love thrillers and you're also kind of a JFK assassinations buff, uh, this book is like, uh, you know, the perfect combination. What what brought that particular um, conspiracy thread or theory to, to mind for you when you were putting this book together?
3: Well, I read, a, I read a book back in the early 90s called Mortal Error. And in Mortal Error, it puts forth a theory of what happened that day that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. First look at it, you think it's kind of crazy, but as you read the book more and more and you look at it in your detail and you look at what happened afterwards, not so crazy, and I and I thought, well, this could make a great thriller. So mm-hmm. when we when we decided to branch out and give Luke his own series, it occurred to me that that would be the um, the plot line. And Mortal Error is an interesting theory. It woves into the book very much. I I can't really say what it is. I know people mm-hmm. say, well, what is it? I, it'll give away a lot of the novel right. and spoil mm-hmm. the fun. But uh, just suffice it to say, it's fascinating. It's interesting. This is a a, a, a very fast paced action adventure book that'll give you some great entertainment, but along the way you're gonna learn something that you're gonna kinda go like, Whoa, I didn't I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I I was curious when I was reading it because did you have any concern that people would think you were becoming a proponent of or giving your endorsement to that theory?
3: No, not really, because you know we we it's fiction. And I'm writing a novel for goodness sake. So it, it's not real and I'm writing it for entertainment. But I am putting it forward for you to consider and take a look mm. at it. I mean, I, I read the book in great detail and looked at it from and read other things associated with it. It, it, there's a lot of things there that make a lot of sense. That man spent a lot of years putting that together, and uh, I, I think it could, it could very well be something to consider. It, as I said, it made for the perfect thriller, though, to make it to, to, to fit in here with this story.
0: Uh, the cotton malone series and now luke daniels uh these guys work for a fictional government agency um and when we first met luke daniels he was this kind of young whippersnapper uh agent that cotton malone was not too impressed with or had to kind of grudgingly come to accept and admire and and maybe mentor um are you where what's the future for both of these these characters now well well
3: cotton Cotton, of course, is going to keep going, and and he'll be back next February with a new adventure called The Atlas Maneuver, so he'll be back then. Luke's going to have two more books, one next summer and one the summer after, and I'm going to let him – he's growing. He's growing. In this book, he grows. He he has to deal with a very complex situation, and he has to – you know, think on his feet. He has to make some decisions. He has to figure some things out. And he does a good job of it. He, he he listens to Malone in his head. Malone is in his head, you know, sending him along. And I wanted Luke to grow up. And that's what he's doing here. He's growing up and he's, uh, he's becoming much more experienced. He's, he's earned his own series. And I think, uh, you know, he's going to get three books and the readers are going to have a lot of fun with him.
0: What kind of feedback do you get from your fans when you do it? Because I know with other authors, they have to, they have to respect what fans expect or want uh, in terms of a recurring character, right? Yes,
3: yeah, so of course. Yeah, he's got to be, he, you know, we've got to keep him consistent with the personality I created for him. But as you said earlier, he was young and inexperienced in the in the books that, that he's been with Cotton with. He still gets the job done, but he makes mistakes. And here, mm-hmm. I just want him to grow up some. I want him to grow up, become a little more experienced He'll have it next year. He's going to get into an adventure with Russia and and something that's fascinated me for a long time, the lost library of Ivan the Terrible, which disappeared in the 15th century. And Luke's going to get caught up in something from the Cold War that he has to make some some uh, some more very tough decisions on. And that's what I want. I want him to grow up in these in these books and become you know the the agent that Cotton knows he can be he, that he can be
0: who are the authors i know we've talked about this before but who are the authors in this genre that you enjoy reading uh in your you know in your vacation time or your free time who are the giants in this kind of in this field oh
3: well the the king of our genre is dan brown of course and so uh i love to write read dan's stuff he doesn't he writes a book about every five or six years so we're coming up close. There should be another one soon. It's been about five or six years. So he's my guy. Jim Rollins is another guy that I read all the time. Who's in the genre? Uh, very much enjoy him. But I also like uh, people who are on the uh, not really my genre, but close to it, like David Baldacci. Uh, uh-huh. You know, Lee Child. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a thriller junkie. I like those. But in in actually doing what I do, action, history, secrets, conspiracies. And of course, Daniel Silva. Gotta forget that he, mm. he's moved over more and more into my genre. He's come mm. out of the political area, and he's more into to what I do. You know, uh, Jim and uh, Dan Brown are the two. You know, who I really you know read and enjoy and, and like. It's not a lot of time to read fiction anymore because I read three to four hundred books for each novel, so I'm kind of consumed with the nonfiction stuff.
0: Wow. Um, do you? Um... Do you feel like you could plumb the the various theories or depths of the Kennedy assassination any more than what you've already done? Could there be other explorations of that in future books?
3: Well there are other I probably not. This is probably, you know, the other theories, to be honest with you, a lot of them are, you know, wild conspiracy theories and things that that really don't make a whole lot of sense. Mortal Error is the one theory that actually makes some sense because yeah. you know this guy spent years looking at it. I, mm. I'll tell you something that's, that doesn't give away anything in the book, but, but this is a fact. In 1968, CBS News uh, con, uh, created an experiment. They hired 11 marksmen who were sharpshooters, marksmen. They gave them the same rifle, they put them in the same conditions, they had the same target, they had everything identical. And they said, take a crack at it, you got seven seconds, you got to hit the target three times in seven seconds. Only one person did it. Only one of those marksmen did it. And that was the guy that eventually went on to create the theory in Mortal error, because it mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. him thinking, and he sat yeah. down and he spent 10 years looking at it and putting it together. And and, and what he did makes some sense. It really does. And what happened afterwards makes even more sense. There's a lot of things that happened after the assassination that I doubt readers know about. They're going to learn yeah. about them in the novel. And, I, and, and it's, it, it's fascinating and raises some serious issues as to why yeah. those things occurred.
0: It definitely is the most studied or scrutinized event maybe in modern American history, maybe in all of American history. I don't it know. It mean, may have been, maybe, yeah. As far as yeah, its own industry. Do, what what is your position on the continued uh, withholding of records and classification of? Do you do you think the government should let all of that out at this should point? It, is there they
3: should one? let it all. Should let it all no. out. But it could be that because the theory in mortal error has some weight, that may be why those documents are mm-hmm. being withheld. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't say why because it'll give right. away from the book. But holding those documents back makes sense. With the theory from mortal error, mm-hmm. if mortal mm-hmm. error is junk and and just nothing, then it makes no sense why those documents are being withheld you know there's there's no reason after sixty years it should all be out and and Trump was going to put them out there and then change right. his mind you know yeah. which was interesting, but We've never had a serious investigation of the Kennedy assassination. That sadly the Warren Commission they didn't really investigate anything. Their job was to calm the country down, so they just right. kinda came up with a report that, that justified the conclusion. The two congressional investigations were equally as bad because they wanted to conclude there was a conspiracy. Right. So they, they made they fixed everything that way. We've never really had an investigation. Unfortunately we never will. Everyone's dead, everything's gone, and I'm yeah. afraid it will now be, you know, up to time in history to deal with that well
0: you have definitely uh made use of one of those theories in this novel with great effectiveness i I loved it i love i love that we're going to have more from cotton and more from luke daniels as well the new one from steve berry the ninth man uh doing very very well it's great to have you back thank you for coming on today
3: thank you that was good see you in february i'll be back talking about cotton then
0: you got it. We, we look forward to it. 5.32 on San Antonio's news talk station, 550 and one oh seven one KTSA. We'll put a link up, by the way, for the book so you can see that and know more about that. And if you are into books and reading and you're always looking for something new to sink your teeth into, I do write a Jack's Books blog that you can find at KTSA.com. I think there's one on the front page. If not, go to the Jack Riccardi page and you'll see them there. But um, I blog all the books that I read personally, and that way when I refer to books on the show or we have an author on, you can uh, check back and get a title or get a little synopsis of the book. The Jack's Books blog is at KTSA.com. Um, there's a debate on Fox for Republican presidential candidates next month, but they may not all be there because uh the... Party, not Fox, but the Republican Party, is requiring certain things of candidates. They have to have so many different donors. Uh, They have to have a certain amount of money raised. They have to be at a certain point in the polls. And those are all um, not unusual requirements for including candidates. As it stands now, uh, if these are the rules, probably only Trump, DeSantis, Haley, and Scott will be on that stage. The other Republican candidates like Pence and the others won't make it. But here's the other thing they're requiring, and this is what I want to ask you about. And this is today's River City Oral Surgery JR poll. Candidates must promise their loyalty to the party's eventual presidential nominee. So to be in the debate on Fox next month, you have to promise that if it isn't you, of course, they're all going to say it's it's going to be me. I'm going to win. But if it isn't you, you're saying, I promise I'll support the the nominee. First of all, and I'm sure you've already thought of this because it came to me immediately too, how the hell are you going to enforce that? <laughs> what, what's your enforcement mechanism? We won't know who the nominee is until next summer, like a year from now. And you can break the promise you made now. And who who will care? Oh, you broke your promise from the debate last year. Who cares? But secondly, why? Why would you have that as a requirement? I mean, I, I I think there's two things we know about this Republican debate, besides the fact that it's wicked early. But then there's two things we know. No one's going to watch it if Trump isn't there. It'll be like watching paint dry. And the other thing we know is that the whole premise of some of these other people running is that Trump can't be, should not be, president, Right? I mean, I don't know exactly who, but some of these people clearly have premised their run on the idea that, hey, I I'm not just competing against him. We can't put him back in there. So, no, I, I, I'm not interested in, in making them promise to support him. I'm not interested in enforced loyalty. I think the Republicans have lost their mind. I, I, I understand how parties operate, and it's very scoreboard-oriented, and result-oriented, and all this stuff, but... You know, this is a dumb they're gonna they're gonna look dumb, they're gonna take a lot of heat, uh they're gonna be made to look foolish, and then they're they're extracting a promise that cannot be enforced. There is no enforcement mechanism. If a person says, Oh yes, I of course will support the eventual party nominee, and then you don't, what are they gonna do? Make you stand in the corner? No dessert for you, you know, no fruit cup? I mean, what are we what are we talking about here? <laughs> Uh, so do you think, here's our question on the poll, do you think Republican candidates should have to take an oath to support the Republican Party's eventual nominee? Are you in favor of that, yes or no? 210-599-5555. And I'm sure some people are. Like, I'm sure there are people that support Trump and think, hey, you've got to get behind him, DeSantis and Scott and Haley. You know, you gotta, you've got to, you've got to get behind him when he wins this thing. I just don't think that's realistic. I mean, you can want it, and I know why you want it, but I just don't think it's realistic. What about Trump? Now, it seems very unlikely that he will not be the nominee, but there's a long way to go, and something could happen. So let's just say, for instance, it, it isn't him. Donald Trump does not get the nomination of the Republican Party. It'll be a shock. It'll be a surprise. We can't see that happening right now, but let's just say for, somehow that does happen. I personally cannot imagine him dropping all the nicknames and endorsing who Desantis or somebody. I I can't see it. I I really don't. I mean, I'll, I'll be glad to admit I'm wrong. I I would love to be wrong, but I can't see it. What do you think? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. And you know, um. This dynamic of Trump running again is unique. Because, first of all, in our whole history, we've only ever had one non-consecutive two-term president. That was Grover Cleveland in the 19th century. But this candidacy of Trump's is also unique in the sense that it is kind of a, um, he's on kind of a, a crusade, right? I mean, he says it, his supporters say it. He believes he he should be currently serving as president. He believes he won his second term already, and he should be in the middle of it. So his candidacy is not like any other person who's ever run for president or made another run. Like, you know, Ronald Reagan ran three times. it's, It's different because of what he believes happened and what his supporters believe happened. And he's not really in any other way a traditional candidate either, like he doesn't believe in Reagan's eleventh commandment thou shalt not speak evil of another republican he doesn't he doesn't play by those rules and people love that he doesn't well some of them do so it's almost like the it's almost like the the Republican party is living in the past they think that they can make rules and run this thing under some sort of Expired set of expectations. Yes, this it it did used to be that way. And Reagan, when Reagan said the Eleventh Commandment, that was considered good form in both the Republican and Democratic parties. You sucked it up, you put aside personal differences. I mean, famously, Reagan lost a a, uh, race for the nomination in nineteen seventy-six against. President Ford, he, he primaried the incumbent Republican president. He came very close to knocking him off. But he, at the end, he fell just short at the convention in 1976. And of course, the convention nominates President Ford sort of unhappily and, and in a divide of, divided kind of way. And, and, and there's this famous speech that Reagan gives. And it's not really a speech about Jerry Ford. It's not It's not Reagan coming out and saying all kinds of hearts and flowers about Ford, but he gives this speech that is so moving and well-delivered and and improvised that it makes people feel better about going out there and and campaigning for Ford, who ultimately lost the general election to Jimmy Carter. It also makes them feel really good about Ronald Reagan. Like, you know what, this is a good guy. We need to keep him uh, in mind four years from now. And they did. The rest is history. But that's how these, these things used to work. And maybe without Trump in the mix, maybe that's how things still would work. But they're not gonna work this year that way. And the Republicans need to just get over that. That's just, that's just the way this is. I'm not, I'm not telling you it's good or bad, I'm just telling you they need to get their heads out of their you-know-where and, and figure this out. And that oath is a throwback. Uh, he, he isn't going to take it, and they're not going to take it. The RNC is saying you have to make that promise to be included in next month's first uh, Republican debate, which is going to be on Fox, and it's going to happen in Milwaukee, which I think is also where the GOP convention is, but I may be wrong about that. Anyway, uh, what do you think about the oath idea? I, I, I think it's a throwback idea, but I also think there's a little bit of trickery going on here because the the one person... Who would have the hardest time making that promise is Trump. I mean, I think the others could mealy mouth their way through it, and maybe a couple of them would actually say, "Yeah, I can support him." It's you know, okay, he's all right if if it's not me, okay. But but he can't and he won't. And what do they want to do? Do they really want to have a debate without him? Is that is that their thinking? Because no one will watch. I mean, that that will be a zero interest event. And I say that not to endorse him, but because you literally have to have him at that debate for that debate to be meaningful, newsworthy. Uh, So I I don't know what they're thinking here, except that A, they're trying to maybe put him on the spot, or B, they're just a, a bunch of Old fashioned people that haven't kept up with what's going on. Uh, Robin has a take on this on today's JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery on KTSA. Robin, good afternoon.
4: Oh, Jack, what a hot topic. This is so amazing. I'll throw very quick six brief points. First of all, Trump is not going to show up at the first one, just he's going to mouth all the way around the circle and let, let them kind of eat each other up a little bit. And he's going to take bites at them from, from the outside. Mm. As far as having them make some kind of an endorsement isn't, I think it is fair that even if Trump wasn't in the game, we need to get back to the time of when a man or a woman's word is their bond and the party is what they're true to. And whoever that nominee is, Trump, not Trump, who, whatever time in space we are, That They're going to be true to who the people vote as that nominee and that they're going to support the American people and who they choose to be that nominee. And you're going to have your Chris Chris, Christie's or these, you know, these rhinos, these, these not, not very legit um, people that are just going to be in there to, and you can enforce it, certainly, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. their reputation will be ruined. Um, No, I don't. I
0: don't think their reputation would be ruined if you break a promise to the Republican National Committee. That's not like breaking a promise to your mom or something. Uh, I like what you said about Trump.
4: Would take it seriously.
0: I don't think they would, Robin. But look, I do like what you said about. um, I think your analysis of Trump that he would probably prefer not to be at the debate is true. However, if you're trying to stage an event that will gain the maximum number of eyeballs, uh, you probably should want him there. Um they want him
4: there but he's They want him there but he doesn't right. Not do you um visit.
0: do you equate blindly supporting we don't even know who it is yet but saying no matter who it is I will support them. Do you equate that with being a a good person? Is that what you're saying that 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 a, your your idea of virtue is that I will promise to support a candidate I don't even know?
4: Well, you can pretty much suppose that anybody that's going to be seriously considered, whoever whoever the the Republican people, this is about who the people are voting into being that nominee, whether it's Trump or DeSantis, whoever that nominee is, that's not about the politics of Trump or DeSantis or any of the top scots. I like a lot of what he has to say sometimes, but it's about who the American people, and we've forgotten that it's about who the American people are saying, this is who mm-hmm. we choose, and, mm-hmm. and that's getting lost in all of this. We are choosing the nominee, or at least we mm-hmm. like to hope to think we are. I have to say,
0: Robin, I, I wish I could agree with you on that, but I don't think we choose them anymore. I think they're chosen for us. It's
4: fun to still pretend, though. Do you, um, still
0: do you think Trump is a rhino?
4: No, I think Trump got bamboozled. He had no idea what he was. He he walked okay. into basically a hornet's nest, and mm-hmm. he, he's the anybody that goes in there besides Trump. I, if people withdraw from all the personality and all the things about Trump that's bombastic, and his policies were good, life mm-hmm. was good, things were well, the reason. Good.
0: I, okay, the reason I asked you that is because I think he would run independently. If he didn't he get might. the nomination,
4: he 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 may he may would, but I don't know. That so then, doesn't that make him a Republican
0: decided? in name only?
4: Um, I I think there's a cutoff that they can't that they can't branch off. Isn't there like a legal cutoff where they can't just sort of? There is a point where they can't do that.
0: He can't get on the ballot. Maybe so, but I I guess my point is I I think he's a Republican. I think he's a Republican as long as that works for him. But I see no I indication, and I'm not putting him down. I mean, this isn't a criticism. I see no indication that he has any extra loyalty to the Republican Party or would do anything mm-hmm. for the Republican Party.
4: I, I would agree I would agree with that because he got burned by, by the rhinos and, and, and part of that. Part. And I'm not necessarily a Trump supporter, but anybody that gets put in there okay. besides him is going to mm-hmm. get chewed up and spit out. He okay. at least knows where the, where the arrows are going to come from. Let him have four years and I wish DeSantis would would have cooled his jets and been VP or waited till his his get little kids. He can't okay. afford to be beaten up and let him come in as clean cut, not not scarred or beaten up by the battle. Let Trump like clean mop up the mess and then then let someone who hasn't made friendships with right. G or Robin,
0: great. You have a great take on this. I appreciate you. Thank you for the call. Uh, the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery. Do you think Republican candidates should have to take an oath to support the GOP's eventual presidential candidate? That oath is a requirement of candidates who want to participate in the first RNC debate next month, which is going to be on Fox. There's some other requirements that's the one that kind of jumps out at everybody should you promise that you'll support trump if it's trump or should trump promise to support these others if it should somehow turn out to be ramaswamy or desantis or whoever and and clearly the guy you you most cannot see doing that is trump but i also really don't i don't personally see the the virtue in that like and maybe it's because I'm not a Republican, I don't identify with a political party, I don't regard being a good party member as that has no value to me, you know, it's not important to me, so therefore loyalty to the party is not a thing for me. I want you to be true to who you are, I want you to be true to your word, I want you to have some principles the parties don't have any principles. The parties are just, we want to win, we'll we'll win with whoever we can win with. We can win with Fetterman, we'll win with Fetterman. If we can win with this stooge, we'll win with this stooge. The political parties nominate people they know are crooks. They know are pervs. They know are not fit for the offices they hold or even capable of carrying them out. They don't care because it's just a numbers game. You know, I, I'll tell you something else that drives me crazy. The political parties send constant solicitations for money to people like you and me, and people send the money. Oh, I think I can do 20 bucks. I I, I can't, I'm not telling you what to do or not do, but it blows my mind that people that, you know, don't have a lot of money and you have to live on a budget, Would send twenty bucks to an organization that rakes in tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, has fundraisers where they make six and seven figures at one event. I I can't even wrap my head around why you would, why, why you would do that. So yeah, I don't. It has not. It means nothing to me that a candidate promises to endorse the eventual nominee is that important to you 210 599 5555 I I am pretty sure that um Trump will not settle for being you know if he, if he's passed over for the nomination I'm also pretty sure there's at least one person maybe more than one in that Republican field that would run against him So that's where we're at that's that's how this looks to me but tell me what you think 210 210- five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We were talking earlier about cocaine gate. I had a very funny email. The guy was angry at me. It wasn't he wasn't trying to be funny, but I thought it was funny. I had a guy write to me, Jim, who was uh lambasting me for not understanding that Hunter Biden I don't have it in front of me. I think his I think his point was you you can't accuse Hunter Biden of dropping that cocaine because he was a crack user and that was powdered cocaine. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know I don't know enough about Hunter's personal habits. Maybe he also maybe use them both. I don't know. Some people use, you know, sugar sometimes and sweet and low other times. I don't know. I don't even think it's Hunter's cocaine, actually. Because I don't think Hunter would drop his cocaine or forget his cocaine. He only forgets things like laptops. The the, the to me the the interesting angle and what we should be wondering about with this cocaine gate story at the white house is simply this this building is incredibly secure guarded protected surveilled cameraed the whole nine yards probably technology we don't even know about that's in place for there to be something a substance suddenly inside this the confines of this security bubble so unexpected that they evacuate the building that's a security lapse that's a breach of security you've just shown terrorists that it would be possible to put a biological or chemical weapon into that building that's what this is about and they either know what happened and they're not saying or they're so incompetent that they really don't know but i think they know what do you think i think they know i think they've known i think they've known all week I think they're not telling us, and they may never tell us. And that again doesn't necessarily mean it was hunters. It just means that, like with a lot of things, we're deemed not worthy of knowing. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. But you know, Dan Bongino was being interviewed somewhere, and he was saying, you know, he was a Secret Service agent before he was a talk show host and commentator. He he worked in, I think, the Bush and Obama Secret Service details, and he's like, no. Th- you have to, you know, you have to go through a screening to get into the White House. You have to take everything out of your pockets. You can't have a bag. You can't have a. Pr- now, the only people that are exempt from that, he says, are family members, the first family. They don't go through it. But he's not buying that. the The, the spin that they've put out, which is, oh well, it was probably one of the White House tours, and a lot of visitors come through. Well, no. It's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, that theory is probably trash. But if that is what happened, then you've really blown security. You're not you're not doing a very good job. 210-599-5555, your thoughts about that. Um, we were talking about uh, the Kennedy assassination with uh, author Steve Barry. He wrote a novel that features a conspiracy theory. His novel is called The Ninth Man. It's great. Great book, I highly recommend it. I put a link up on my Facebook page if you want to check it out for yourself. But we were talking about the fact that the federal government still has not um, revealed, um, released, all of the um, assassination-related records. And Donald Trump had promised to do that and started to do it, and then something changed his mind, I guess. Joe Biden had promised to do it. He's not doing it. In fact, the Biden policy is the secrecy will go on indefinitely. The Kennedy assassination was over 50 years ago. It was almost 60 years ago, or I guess it was 60 years ago, or will be 60 years ago as of this year, right? Am I doing the math yet? This year will be 60 years. Um, the people involved have passed away the there's no argument about like um, technology that would be revealed or intelligence assets that would be revealed there isn't somebody working for us now as an intelligence asset that was also working for us in 1963 so uh, (sighs) What do you think? I, I think they should reveal it, all of it. I don't think they will. And I agree with Steve Barry, who said one plausible reason they will not reveal it is because it will turn out to have been a fault or failing of government. I mean, almost all your conspiracy theories are about the mafia killing Kennedy, Cuba killing Kennedy, the Russians killing Kennedy, the North Vietnamese. I mean, there's all, you know, but there would be no harm in pointing the finger or revealing that um, now. You, you can't even make the sort of Cold War, would exacerbate the Cold War. Not None of that is true anymore. Um, so... I, I, although i'm in, i'm on the side of people like rfk junior who says absolutely they shouldn't be hiding it it needs to be out needs to come out um i think the more they hold on to it the longer they hold on to it that almost tells us what we need to know right there that kind of that almost um that's almost an admission of culpability or or guilt right there i think anyway 210-599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. There was another um, airplane meltdown. You probably heard and seen this by now. This lady had a complete meltdown um, on a uh, American Airlines flight that was uh, going from Dallas to, I think, the Caribbean. Um, she gets up out of her seat and just starts ranting. To the, she turns and faces the cabin, so she's like addressing her fellow passengers. This is what it sounded like, cut number two.
4: I'm telling you, I'm getting the f*** off, and there's a reason why I'm getting the f*** off, and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two that but I am telling you. or not I'm
0: not going to kind of like final destination, right I'm getting off this plane. who's with me? They took her off the plane she said that m f back there is not real, and the whole everyone in the plane turns around and looks in the back like they're gonna see somebody back there who's who's not real. I don't know who she was pointing to. I'm not sure if they Ever figured out who she thought was not real. I want to talk about why this stuff is happening and see what you think about it. And don't forget about the Jack Chat line. 210-599-5550. You can leave a comment, an opinion, a, t- a hot take, uh, right there. Uh, leave your name and first, uh, your first name and your city or town and we'll play those back on the show. Probably play some tomorrow. 210-599-5550 for the Jack Chat line. Uh, story in the news today says the security around Wemby apparently resulted in Britney Spears being hit in the face when she tried to get a picture with him. I, I'm I'm in favor of keeping Britney Spears away from him, so I I'm sorry if she got hit in the face, but they they're doing their job, you know. <laughs> I mean, keep 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 Britney Spears away from Wemby. I think that's my take. Anyway, um, what's going on with people on airplanes? You know, after 9 11, I hate to bring this up, but after 9 11. I remember, and maybe you remember this too. If you flew out right after nine eleven, I'm talking about like right after, weeks, first few months. Do you remember how everybody was on the airplanes? I mean, first of all, a lot of people were nervous, and I don't want to. I don't want to bring that part back, but everybody behaved beautifully. I mean, I'm sorry, but people acted appropriately nobody was acting out acting up nobody was having issues nobody was trying to bring on a steamer trunk and pretend it was a carry-on you know some of these people with these carry-on bags they look like the okies crossing the the midwest in the 1930s what are you doing looks like a covered wagon without the wheels oh it's just a carry-on it's my personal item how come three of your family members have to carry it? Anyway, so right after 9-11, people were people were great. They were because they knew this is serious business. There's an air marshal on here. I make one false move. I mean what has happened that we've got this daily parade of of craziness. I want to play you another one. So there's a woman on the plane screaming, I'm getting off. There's a somebody not real. That MF in the back is not real. There was another one of a woman in a, uh, she was in an airport, I think this was in Mexico City, and she found out that her flight had been canceled or her plans were being altered, and she starts grabbing all the computers, and she goes through several, like, workstations that she destroys, and they're just standing around watching her. Listen to this. Just throwing flat screen monitors on the floor, just smashing them. Phones, yanking the phones out of the desk. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Um, we 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 don't know how to we don't know how to act. You know, what I mean, people on airplanes act the way when we were kids. If we'd acted this way, our parents would have turned the car around. We somehow need to get back to. Tr- I'm turning this car around. Remember, remember, t- remember that. Remember how? Remember how that was the? That was it. I mean, that was the veto. That ended everything. I'm going to turn this car around. Everybody, right? Even let the middle child shut up at that point. Or another one was. Remember this one. Wait till your father gets home. It was like you were making a threat. I know that's not in the parenting manual now. Oh, we don't want—we don't want children afraid of their parents. That was very effective. I know at my house, all the shenanigans and tomfoolery and malarkey all came to a very quick stop. You know, and my dad was very nice, but. Somehow we we were just sure, we need that. People need, when people are acting up on airplanes, we need something that just immediately quells it.
4: But I am telling you right now, that mother back mm. there is not real.
0: I'll tell you how bad it is. Carrot Top was, was on that plane, did you know this? The comedian Carrot Top was on that plane with uh, the meltdown woman. And um, he was uh, tweeting about it, and he was apparently going somewhere and and, and she ruined his trip, but I hope she's happy. We're all stuck in Dallas, he tweeted. Wherever he was going, he missed whatever he was going to, and he missed some party or something he was supposed to be at. Um, he says, I hope you're having a relaxing evening behind bars in Dallas, and I hope you enjoyed your little stunt Carrot Top, when, when Carrot Top is the voice of reason, do you realize how, how bad we've we've gotten? But that explains it. That explains her madness. You she think saw, Carrot Top was the one she was referring she to? She
3: saw him. Have you seen well, this dude like
0: I have seen him. There's a picture of him with he's the tweets. He's, he's a little scary looking. Yes, he you know? is. He, he looks like a meme. <laughs> but I don't know. I I know there's probably a lot of different things going on in these stories, but... I've had it, enough of this, enough of this. It should not be, you fly, you're going somewhere, maybe, maybe you're on a vacation, maybe you're on a business trip, maybe you're on a tight schedule, maybe you're going to a job interview and you've really gotta get this job. You should not be at the mercy, as you sit down and buckle into 23B, you should not be at the mercy of somebody somewhere on this airplane deciding today's the day. You know, you just shouldn't be. We've, we've over the years, we've we've worked and worked and refined things like safety and maintenance, so that these planes are in tip-top shape. We've refined and 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 uh, reformed uh, security. We have all these uh, safeguards in place. Um, but now the terrorists are people in Lululemon pants having a bad afternoon. I don't know what you do about that. You know. I mean, they should never – I, I assume – now, I'm, I'm, I may be wrong about this. I would assume that all these people in all these stories, are, are they on the no-fly list now? And if not, why the hell not? If you do something like this, you should not be able to fly anymore. And I don't know if that's true. I don't really know. We never really do find out, right? Like the news media, we kind of move on. We don't follow up. Like a week from now, we won't know anything about this lady. But it, it it's, it's just too much of this. And again, all kidding aside, and everybody has fun with these little viral videos. But I always think of like some guy is like on his way to a job interview, and uh, or or maybe somebody is going to be there for um, you know the final hours. Maybe maybe someone in the family is on their deathbed, or or something happy like you want to be at your grandson's graduation, and you've planned it, you've blocked out the time, you've got it figured out, you know. And it'd be one thing if it was like a, a tornado or a hurricane or a blizzard, but to just have somebody in yoga pants ruin it for everybody—I mean, this there's got to be a better way. So, that's my take. If I'm elected, that's—I'll work on that. KTSA, guy wrote to me and said, um, you think it might be that so many people are on so many different uh, prescription drugs nowadays, but then they also probably have a drink at the airport uh, before they get on the plane or a couple of drinks if they're making a connection. And uh, are we seeing people that are having like a, a drug and alcohol reaction? I, I guess that could be what's happening, but then... Aren't a lot of the people on the plane also in that same state? And haven't we always had people on prescription drugs? There's always been alcohol at the airport. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I could see that, but then I would still like to know why we're having so many more. Uh, and you you have to wonder about the fact that for a while there after nine eleven, not that I'm harking back like those were the good old days, but... For a while there after nine eleven, nobody put on this kind of a display. And there must have been people taking prescription drugs and or having a couple of pops at the TGI Fridays before they got on their plane, right? Even then, right? So, 210 um, 599 We were talking about uh, Kamala Harris earlier she gave this kind of hippy dippy answer. Do you still have it done? She was at the Essence Festival and they were asking her what is culture and she came up with this this word salad cut number 10.
2: Well, I think culture is it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And 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 present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And And we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning.
0: (laughs) We have have to find. Help me out here if you're in law enforcement. If you pulled over someone and they started talking the way Kamala Harris talks, you'd have, like, probable cause. Like, I need you to step out of the car. We're going to get you a ride. You know what I mean? She wasn't always like this. I had an interesting caller, uh, Jason, called the show about an hour and a half ago. We had an interesting conversation about this because she actually used to be pretty sharp-sounding, and um, she was kind of a hardliner on certain things, and she had her policy ducks in a row. And I'm talking about years ago when she was in California. Whatever is going on with her now is a fairly recent phenomenon, and, and Jason thinks it's because she doesn't really believe the stuff she's saying, she's having to put it out. It's being put in her mouth. Uh, maybe that's it. It, it. it it may also be there are a lot of people who accuse her of not doing her homework and trying to sort of um, fake her way and chuckle her way through. Like there are people who think they're too smart to prep for a moment. I don't have to read the book. I don't have to listen to the briefing. I don't have to go to the webinar. I'll just I can I can improv my way through every moment, every answer, every meeting. Maybe that's what she's doing. I don't uh, I don't know. But of course, she becomes important, not a a punchline like some vice presidents like, you know, Al Gore was kind of a punchline and Dan Quayle was kind of a punchline. She she we can't think of her that way because Joe Biden is one sandbag away from, you know, Kamala Harris becoming president. And even the people in the Democratic Party, I find it fascinating that when they speculate about Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or these other people that they want to plug in for 2024, that's like saying, we're not even considering her. She's not even an option as far as we're concerned. And, and Joe Biden is campaigning this week um, in South Carolina. This is what I mean by why we can't make a punchline out of Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. Here's here's Joe Biden trying to read his teleprompter. Listen to this. I think I think the one we want done is um, cut seven. I think
3: restore supply. Matter. The Lithium will offer components like our, like the, like it's going to be taken to be made of redwood mineral.
1: Redwood, excuse me, redwood materials. Charleston, the company's making the largest investment in the state of
3: in the history of the state.
0: When he got up to the, the platform, there was something like a, a, a step or something that was in his way before he gave his speech. He started kicking uh, the bottom of the podium. I don't know. it's probably something that could have just been adjusted. But listen to this. this is cut number nine. Thank you, Nicky. If you know what I'm gifted here.
1: I'm going to stand in. It's not working.
3: All right,
0: maybe I stand on. I'm six four. Uh, mm. He was talking about uh, build back better and uh, something about going through the Hudson Tunnel at hundred miles an hour, which doesn't sound like a like a good thing. Cut number eight. And today, New York, we're investing a record
3: two billion dollars.
0: You go through it 100 miles an hour instead of 30 miles an hour. What am I, Gene Hackman in the French Connection? What? (laughs) Who? All right. Um, So it's not, you know, it's not, uh, we we have to take these things seriously because right behind him, is uh, the woman with the culture answer. I I had not heard this till today. Don was obviously aware of this already, but our producer, Don, um, had already heard this. Probably wondering why I didn't get to it till today. But um, MSNBC's Joy Reid was explaining yesterday that she did not go out. She did not want to leave her home on the 4th of July. Listen to this. Um, I have to say, I did not go
3: out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fire. Works thing outside seems insane to me to be blunt in America because America is awash with guns, and now people don't just have them; they seem to want to shoot people with them and use them for whatever you know What do you think has changed in this country, um, which has always had a lot of guns uh in the recent years to make it a shooting gallery
0: mm. okay, so when she first said, I was afraid to go out of my house. I thought we were going to get to kind of get the um you know the jill scott it's the streets are running with the blood of slaves, and where it's a racist country, or maybe it was going to be kind of a sixteen nineteen project kind of take. With well, I don't, I didn't go out on the fourth of July because that's a day of mourning for me because uh, we're not really free, and we, uh, it, uh, the founders were slaveholders. So I have to admit, I, I thought I knew where Joy Reid was going with this, and then she surprised me. She zigged instead of zagged and said, well, the thing that scares her about the 4th of July is that America is, quote, awash with guns. Awash with guns. I mean, you just, there's puddles of them. They're just, you gotta clear them aside to walk down the street. They're just they're just everywhere. Everybody's got, does she think, does Joy Reid think that all those loud noises outside her window on the Fourth of July, are guns? Has anyone told her about fireworks? Does she <laughs> is she aware of the fact that that's not all gunfire? Although although in some uh, democratic-run cities, there probably is a lot of gunfire. But um, so she says, I don't like to go to big events because of of America's awash with with guns. So I guess everybody else who went to a fireworks show, who went to a concert, who went to a picnic or whatever on Fourth of July, you're just idiots. You just don't know what you're doing. You're not thinking. Joy Reed is so smart; she stayed home. You went out like a like a nitwit. You could have been killed. America's awash with guns.
3: The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade, or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt. Does she really
0: say that to her friends? Like, hey, Joy, we're going out. you want to come with us? That's insane. (laughs) Do you think she actually tells people, I'm offended that you would even invite me to the parade. Do you know we're awash with guns? I don't know. These people, I'm telling you. Maybe, you know, maybe Jason is right. I mean, maybe there's just a lot of people saying a lot of stuff that they can't possibly believe. Maybe the trick is keeping a straight face while you put this stuff out, but yeah. Afraid to leave her house on July 4th. Of course, if we did something about the guns, which in her mind would be confiscating all of them, then she would probably be unwilling to leave her house because of the other reasons I cited. Well, it's History of slavery. The founders were racists and slave owners and white males. And um, the, the the country is, uh, you know, built on the lie. And we're standing on stolen land. I mean, there's a lot for Joy Reid. There's no shortage of reasons not to leave the house. It's, it's a long it's a long list for Joy. Um, J R Poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Should the Republican candidates have to take an oath? This is in order for them to participate in the RNC debate. Should Republican candidates have to take an oath to support the GOP's eventual presidential nominee? We asked you today. 78% said no. 22% said yes. We'll have a new question tomorrow. We'll get started at 4. Or you can find the JR poll anytime at KTSA.com. Before I tell you this next story, I I just want to be straight on this. I, I love Jennifer Lopez. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care what she's done. I don't care about her politics. I think she's beautiful. I'm in love with her. I, I She can sing, she can act just fine as far as I'm concerned, okay? So, uh, just take this from where it's coming from. J-Lo is under attack because she has come out with a new line of booze. And she is defending herself on social media Because her critics say she doesn't drink. She swore off drinking and has said so in prior interviews. If she doesn't drink, what's she doing with a cocktail line, says one critic. And she says it's true, for a long time I didn't drink. She says she does enjoy the occasional drink. She never drinks to get bleep-faced and always drinks Responsibly, and then because that wasn't enough, because I guess people don't have enough to do. Then there was another line of attack. They said, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the fact that Ben Affleck has struggled with alcoholism, and I guess he has? And isn't it wrong that you are, you have this line of, and, and it's you know, obviously she doesn't make it. She's not making it in her bathtub like." Doesn't have a still out in the woods, right? This is some product that she took a meeting. This is some product that somebody makes. She took a meeting, and they're like, hey, we'd like to put your name on this product. And, and celebrities get this all the time. I say this like I know it. I mean, I, I know it happens. That doesn't happen to me, but, um, you know, w- would you endorse this? Can we put your name on that? And, and that's all it is for crying out loud. You know, if you want to if you want to say you don't like her singing, you don't think she's a very good actress, okay. But you know, the really the the cocktail what 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 is this like 1920? You know. So she says um she's got a healthy lifestyle. She's talked in recent years about how reducing alcohol intake was better for her skin and her fitness and all that, which is all probably true. And um people are I don't know it's like, and, and I mean, you, you have to ask yourself, like, who, who in the world has this kind of time to, to, to say, you know what I'm going to be angry about today? You know what I'm going to work on today? I'm going to go after the J-Lo line of spritzers. That's my project. See you back here tomorrow live at 4.